0: Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast.
1: Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own
2: You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 60 Dreams.
0: Jack, it's me. It's Roselli. Roselli? Did you hear that?
3: Yeah.
0: Well, well, check it out. In all my years of leaping, I can't remember feeling so unprepared for what was ahead of me. And yet seeing those two kids and finding their mother, I felt this rage inside me like someone or something else was making me go forward. And all I could hope for was that whatever was driving me would let me know what to do with a cold-blooded killer. What happened here? His murder, a woman was murdered. A woman? What woman? Mrs. DeCaro? Where's her husband, Peter? There was something else I was here to do. What? Peter DeCaro goes on trial and he gets the chair. I don't know, Al. I can't have leaked in here to save Peter DeCaro's life, only to have him die for killing his wife. That doesn't make sense. He doesn't die for killing his wife. He dies because he murders Jack Stone. Jack Stone was eviscerated in the same room, in the same house, at practically the exact same hour, two days from now. Only it's not Jack Stone who dies. It's me. Why would Peter DeCaro want to kill me? I don't know. Well, and and nobody ever found out. Well, there's got to be some kind of a reason. I mean... I feel like I'm possessed, Al. Possessed? Yeah. Great. Now it's the exorcist. No, no, no. Not by the devil. By Jack. Do you remember when we simoleaked and part of me mixed up with part of you? No, no, no. Well, I do. And ever since this leap began, I, I feel like I'm not all alone here. What if Jack when he leaped out, left a piece of himself in here. And that piece knows why Peter is gonna kill him. A piece of Jack? Yes. Uh No, this is too weird. What's that?
1: A day in the life of Peter DeCaro. It's his agenda.
0: Here we go. had a doctor's appointment after lunch, and then he canceled the rest of the day.
1: Who's the doctor?
0: Mason Crane. Maybe he had an incurable disease and he couldn't handle it. That's the shrink. Carl asked for Crane even before he asked for his lawyer. I want to talk to him. Doctor, what can I do for you, Mr. Stone? Uh, Peter DeCarlo suggested that I come see you. I'm sorry, I'm not accepting any new patient. Look, this is very important to me. What is it you want, Mr. Stone? I want to sleep again. I, I, I've been having these dreams. They're very frightening to me, and I want them to stop. They have to stop, Dr. Crane.
4: Hey, everyone. I'm Chris. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Who's with me?
3: Uh, Allison.
4: And <laughs> Matt. Yeah. Gang's all here. Yay. Am I the only one that's had Van Halen stuck in his head since uh,
2: watching Dreams?
4: We'll get high. And higher, straight up we'll
3: climb. I can, uh, I can safely say you're the only one.
2: But it was worth it for that.
4: <laughs> you know what I realized uh, a couple of weeks ago? I was just like really just like I was listening to Van Halen and I was getting so into it. And I realized it, like an epiphany, like like someone hit me upside the head. This is now old man music. I now officially love old man music. So... <sighs> I guess that's my cross to bear. Chris, we could have told
2: you you were old a long time ago.
3: <laughs> Listening to your old Van Halen wax records. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the old Van Halen 78s. Good
4: thing I collect the old Victrolas so that I can play them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think um, by your radio enthusiasm, people could tell that you were old. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been collecting radio since age 21. That's the funny thing. So yeah. I think maybe I was just born old like george bailey (laughs) yeah benjamin button if you will (laughs) chris is not getting younger though as you can tell i want to talk about anything but dreams do we
2: have to talk about dreams hi we're talking about dreams today. we're talking about (laughs) dreams oh am i the only one who feels this way Oh, not, not the only one that feels this way, maybe.
3: <laughs> you know what? Like, uh, I, I think maybe I'll be more positive about it than you guys. I don't know. We'll, we'll see.
2: Good. One of us has to be.
4: <laughs> I'll give you my initial impressions first, because I just want to play off something you said in the last episode, Alice. And if you recall, you called the wrong stuff the very personification of... What you dub secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> now, <laughs> I have a similar term for that, which I picked up from years of listening to the Howard Stern show. It's not very politically correct. And I don't even really know what it means. But they always used to say when something was like that, where you're just embarrassed watching it, you're embarrassed for everybody who is watching it. You're embarrassed for everybody who's involved in it. They would get the deuce chills. The douche shills? That seems a little harsh. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It's just the vernacular I picked up from listening to Stern for about 20 years. And I distinctly remember watching this episode with my roommates and just oh, having the douche was oh. so.
3: <laughs> so, so you were willing to go to bat for diaper monkey and dreams was too much for you. All
4: right. I'm going to. Okay. Now. That's fair. I mean, I mean, maybe we're getting into is this good quantum leap at the beginning. But Diaper Monkey, we talked a lot about <laughs> shit. This one actually is shit. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, those are my initial impressions of dreams. I don't
2: have much more to say. So, guys, take over. <laughs> yeah. Matt, what are your feelings? Shall, shall, I, shall I kick off right? So... Alison, you're far too young to remember this, but Chris will be. (laughs) Back in the olden days, when TV was relatively young, if you missed something, you didn't get to watch it again. We didn't have these DVRs and stuff like this. No. No. Where I'm going with this is Dreams was one of the few episodes that for whatever reason, I was out and I forgot to set the video recorder. Whatever. I didn't see it on its initial run on BBC2. And one of my friends at school was like, "Oh my god, you missed the best episode of Quantum Leap! It was so dark. It was gritty. It was grown up. It was really grown up. And oh, it's all going to be like this in future. This is what Quantum Leap's going to be like for the rest of the series. I can't believe you missed this turning point. And I, I lived with that for years." (laughs) Did your friend did he really just hate you? No, he believed it. We we were like, what, we must we be fourteen, fifteen and it, it's in it's got bits in black and white and there's blood. So, you know, I think he was being serious. Um it's very easy to think things that are in black and white and have blood in them are pretty cool when you're that yeah, age. Yeah, I guess so, sure. So yeah, I always felt like it had been built up so much that when I was disappointed by it when I finally saw it, I thought, Okay, maybe it's all the fault of James. James, if you're listening to this, I still hate you for this. Damn you, James! Um, and I was I was worried about launching into this recording, because I thought you two were going to come on and say, yeah, the episode's perfectly good, and I was going to have to admit that I didn't like it, but <laughs> only because, or probably only because of this heightened expectation. Um, I guess maybe not.
4: <laughs> no, well, you know why I'm actually, I'm I'm a little bit more excited to talk about this one for one specific reason, is that we always get to talk about our favourite episode, and um, we talked about mine, we talked about Allison's But I don't think that we've ever discussed Our least favorite episode of Quantum Leap Ooh. And if I had to pick one Ooh. I think this one is it, you guys asked about like Piano Man Is that one your least yeah. favorite? No, this one I think is maybe the worst episode Of Quantum Leap no. and Interesting It's not that bad I, Listen, you can have your douche chills, <laughs> I'll have mine Thank you very <laughs> much <chills>. Okay. <laughs> Am I going to have to bleep douche? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think uh, it, you got to shorten it to nozzle. You know,
2: douche nozzle. <laughs> is is this as in do, douche as in douche nozzle and chills as in chills? Yeah, yeah. douche chills. Yes. Yeah,
0: but okay. when you say you get the All chills
3: right. from something, it's not usually. All right. It doesn't mean what what he's saying. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, alright. Okay. That's fun. We can go with that.
3: I mean I uh I think I'm coming at this um from a more positive angle than you guys. Like it's I wouldn't call it the worst episode. Um I think it had the potential to be one of the best, but it fell so short. Because um, I like things that are spooky and creepy. Mm-hmm. I, like your friend, think that things in black and white with blood can be pretty cool. Yeah, 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 I, I totally buy that. You know, so, I, I mean, I like creepy stuff. Uh, I like darker episodes when they're done well. Um, I thought that there were some good ideas here. Where it falls apart for me <laughs> is the very, very end that's when I get my own douche chills. I am very uh, <laughs> secondhand embarrassed by some stuff happening in this episode when it could have been so good,
4: you know? Could it be Scott Bakula channeling the trauma of someone else's inner nine-year-old?
3: <laughs> <laughs> be that All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. Here's my notes. I'm going to jump right oh. to the end here. Here's my notes on that baby voice. No.
4: <laughs> yes. Thank you. Holy shit.
0: Nine I'm nine years old.
3: But you know, I think I think he was really let down by the script on this one. Uh this was I oh, think yeah. Deborah Pratt and she's normally very solid. It-
2: But um, that shocked me. I even watching this episode um, to to research for this. I was thinking, oh, this is obviously some writer their first time out trying to do something really different. Bless them for trying, and they probably went on and did some great things later. And then I rechecked and realized it was Deborah. Yeah, and I don't get that. She's good.
4: I don't want to talk bad because Deborah is like the champion of champion when it comes to Quantum Leap scripts. She wrote all of my favorite episodes. Yeah, and it's just like that she wrote this, I I kind of feel bad lambasting it because it's Deborah. I mean, it's freaking Deborah. Well, I
3: mean, you can yeah. – not everyone hits it out of the park every time, I think. Um, no. But, like, I read a couple versions of this script, and there are little, some differences there. I feel like when she was – Writing this, maybe she was a bit rushed, or maybe she was delving into a genre she doesn't dive into as much. Because mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. lot of the episodes that she writes that are the strongest are very um, strongly rooted in the the time and the interpersonal dramas, and and um, a lot to do with uh, not always with Black history and stuff like that. Yeah. And I feel like here it was a little bit removed from a lot of her strengths.
4: And I kind of have like a theory as to why this one was written the way it was, and maybe why it fell short. Um, because as Matt was just talking about with his friend James coming saying, Quantum Leap's going to change forever now. This is so adult. This is so dark. I-, I felt this episode did mark a certain change in the way Quantum Leap was written, but not in that way. But I mean, let's talk about the episode a little bit more first, and uh, then get into more like the bigger series stuff. So, Allison, I know that you're coming at this with the most positive uh, attitude of all of us. And I'm not saying there aren't (laughs) things that are that that. I don't think that, that there isn't interesting things here. There are a couple of interesting things, but I'd like to hear what piqued your interest most when it came to this episode. Like what elements do you feel really worked?
3: I like the, uh, the creepy, spooky stuff about it. This is by far the goriest episode, I think. A woman has her heart cut out. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of atmosphere to it. Uh, lots of plays on focus and light and shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of close-ups. I liked that shot of um, Scott Bakula just reaching toward the camera when he's uh, in the, the therapy session with the uh, the shadow from the fan over him, and I like the dream sequence. I like the bits with Sam psychologically dealing with this. Um, the fact that he feels sort of possessed um, when he confesses to Al. Uh, he's standing by the window with the, the light coming in from the blinds, confessing to him. He just doesn't want to die.
0: Well, all you have to do is not get killed and Ziggy says you're going to leave. But I do get killed, Damn it! Don't you understand? I've seen it. I've seen it clearly, like it's already happened. Sam, what is happening with you? I don't know. I'm scared. I'm scared and confused, and I feel like I'm losing my mind. I don't want to die.
3: I thought that was some great acting. So there's bits in here that I really do like. It's just in in pieces
4: and not a whole. Okay. And Matt, did you find any things of interest that you clung to that were actually something that I don't know, that gave you at least some feeling of watching an actual episode of Quantum Leap instead of what this was?
2: Um yeah, not that made me feel like I was watching an episode of Quantum Leap. I mean, I I completely back up what Alison said there's some lovely imagery in this it's a case of style over substance for sure Mm -hmm. wow that's a great way to put it yeah I think Anita Addison the director I think this was it was definitely her first thing for Quantum Leap I think it might have been her first directorial outing altogether and yeah she was obviously going all out this was not a a, a, she, she was not a jobbing director at this point you can tell she's put a lot of time into it particularly with the lighting there is some lovely lighting none of this makes it normal quantum leap and that's fine if the episode is also good but i think we're we're drifting back into the territory we were in a few minutes ago yeah i think if it had been successful i still wouldn't have said th- this didn't represent quantum leap because it was obviously an attempt to do something very unquantum leapy and uh, successful or, or or not i think it was always going to stand out from the rest of the series which surprised me actually it was um this is one of the episodes that was chosen when they did the initial sell through VHS run in the mid 90s and they only released about half a dozen episodes and this was one of them wow very weird to pick this one yeah um,
3: i think also this one um i think dean stockwell was nominated for an emmy for this one was it
0: for oh, really, this one?
3: I think this one Dean Stockwell was, which was weird because I don't think he was for MIA, and it feels like that was to make up for that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Pick any other episode, because
3: I, I love Dean Stockwell. I, I love Dean Stockwell so much, but this episode I don't think it it showcased anything in particular about his acting. I've got
2: Killer and Michael Watkins Emmy nominated.
4: Really, I... <sighs>
2: for dreams. Yes.
4: Okay, I live on I live on a different planet than everyone then, and I'm sorry, all of the listeners out there who obviously love this episode. Michael Watkins did the cinematography, yes? So, yes. So, so I, I
3: could see that for this one. Yep. Yeah, it was great.
4: Uh, this is not by a long shot Scott's best performance. I mean, there were things to like about it, but it was very, very one note. And I feel like, especially coming off of the wrong stuff, which had, you know, so much humor in it and, um, you know, the panpipes of understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Then we get to this, and Sam is out of sorts from the very beginning, and they sort of explain why in the course of the episode why he's just completely shell-shocked almost throughout the entire thing. But tell me if you guys felt this way. I was watching this, and it's like I kept waiting for the episode to start. Like, I kept waiting for, like, a story to kick in, or for, like, the plot to gel, or or for whatever, but it just seemed like disparate scene, with another disparate scene, with a lot of mood, and a, a lot of, I don't know about moping from Sam, but just Sam completely out of character. And then, before I knew it, we were at, like, a final scene, and I'm like, that was the episode? I mean... It just felt like an incomplete experiment. I think you kind of said that already, Matt. It didn't gel in any way to me, which was another thing that astounded me because here we are, once again, Deborah, one of the best TV writers I've ever had the pleasure of watching. So it's like, how did this one become such an ungodly mess? It's uh,
3: It's supposed to be psychological. And if you're doing an episode about that, If the psychological elements fall short, the rest of the episode is going to fall short. And I don't know, like, I didn't feel like I was waiting for the episode to start. Uh, I thought that was one of the few successful elements to me but the story itself wrapped around it I don't think was very successful I I don't think like there was any question who the villain was oh ever Uh,
2: like I mean yeah uh, Dr. Crane it's Alan Scarf for a start I mean as soon as he shows up you know yeah
3: he shows up looking like Skeletor (laughs) yeah He's got that yeah. crazy evil face talking like Jack the Ripper, hanging out in the shadows all the time. <laughs> like, he ju- yeah. he's just immediately, like, obviously the villain. And then the twist is that he's the villain. I mean, like.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love the lighting, but there is always some shadow over his face. Yeah. Like, permanent. Like, he's just looking around for it. Where's the shadow? I'm going to stand there.
3: He's just sitting around like a goblin in his office. (laughs) And like, at no point did I believe that Sam might be the killer. They tried to throw out that maybe like Jack Stone was the one who did it. And if that had been a possibility, or even what really happened, then that would have made this episode more successful, I think.
4: It was funny, because I was watching it. And when Al brought up that possibility, first of all, it seemed a little far-fetched for me that the guy he leaped into was having an affair or was one time having an affair with the murder victim. And it just screamed of like, I don't know, like really trying to twist the plot to provide some red herrings. And the one thing that interests me is, that is this the first time that Sam is his own red herring in an episode? And I guess unless you count her charm, this is one of the few times we've seen that.
2: But they don't go anywhere with it
3: in uh last dance before an execution
2: the twist was that he actually did it yeah but they can't do that again so soon it's not that soon afterwards that was was like half a season ago i mean but
4: here's the thing with like last dance before an execution was different in the fact that it was very al centric because sam was locked in a cell so you had a lot of good business for dean to do in this one I mean, Sam is investigating this doctor, and Al is saying, Well, you're, you're on the suspect list. And that's how you got there so early. And it's like with, with the bad dubbing. <laughs> oh my God. The guy who isn't the
3: killer? You yeah. are. And he's clearly saying Jack is at the end. Yes. I, I don't know why they yeah. didn't just cut to a close up of Sam
4: and then add the dub. I think maybe that they had it in in the editing bay, and they thought it's probably going to be much more of um, a, what was it, second act sting to get you to come back. You are, because then it invests Sam instead of, because I got to be honest with you, I forgot the Leapy's name in this almost right away, (laughs) because you don't really get a sense of who he is. You just get Sam sort of freaking out, and when you say Jack is, I might have said, oh wait, who's Jack? Wait a minute. So it could have just been for story clarification because even though there were almost no characters in this I have no memory of who anybody was. And I actually had to go back and watch again to make sure that it was what I thought it was. It was the cop that he leapt into suddenly is having an affair with this woman who had her heart cut out. And it again it just seemed like like very very poor story mechanics and I think that's what it is. When I say I keep waiting for the episode to start, there didn't seem to be any central narrative thrust. It was just sort of Sam at sea, just getting through these scenes in a very angsty way until he leaped. It didn't even seem like there was a great resolution to the leap except for, you know, it's like when in doubt, just shoot somebody. Okay, we can, <laughs> we, we can leap now. So I, I don't even know if I'm describing it right. Maybe because I just can't, I can't pin down... Like specific gripes with this episode because I just found everything to be so unformed and
2: so yeah subpar. But I think you you touched on something really important there that you, you you forgot the characters' names almost immediately, and yeah, I I also had to after I finished making notes, I had to go back and I found a synopsis online to read through just to double check that I I got it all. But I think for me that comes down to the fact that we never get to know what jack is like because when we don't really get to see the other people in his life particularly mm. um as as we do in other episodes but more importantly he's clearly having some kind of mental breakdown mm-hmm. and you've got this extra layer of sam on top doing having the 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 kind of the, the mental breakdown is sort of seeping into him as well it's more complicated than it needs to be. I think if they'd have just removed that top layer of, of Sam also experiencing this, uh, yeah, maybe it wouldn't have been the episode it was, but it, it would have at least, I don't know, it would have been easier to get a handle on what was happening without having effectively Sam leaping into two characters and then becoming a third that's sort of mixed up with the first two. It's it's just, it's messy. It's very messy.
3: I feel like it's it's maybe too many ideas syndrome. You know, there's a lot of things thrown at the wall here. There's some things that are just a line that could have been a thing, but isn't because there's just too many things. Like, Sam's wondering, like, he's like, I'm having these dreams. Maybe they're memories, maybe they're visions, and like, you know, just all these these things kind of thrown at the wall, and maybe Sam's the killer, but maybe it's this guy, and then maybe the, you know, and then there's, like, the the disturbed little kid, he's also having a breakdown, and then maybe like, the project is losing contact with them, and then, you know, just kind of all these things happening. It's not a clean story, I think is maybe what it is, and, um, I can see why it seems unfinished, and it does seem unfinished, but I do like some aspects of it in that there's not really a great resolution for either Sam or for Jack. The fact that the leap out is just silent. Uh I kinda mm-hmm. liked that actually. And I kinda liked um the stuff with Roselli it was never really a thing. It seemed like there was a romance and it it didn't go anywhere. And I think this was just a um a result of the editing from the script, because one of the big differences with the script versus the episode, and I don't know if they cut this out or they just changed their minds while filming. There's actually a wrap up at the end where Al tells Sam what happened. And they talk a little bit before he leaps out. And they talk about the fact that Roselli and Jack eventually get together and get married and which just seemed completely <laughs> unnecessary. Um, they talk about the fact Dr. Crane, originally killed 27 people afterwards so he was like a prolific serial killer yeah all through hypnosis and all of these like these wrap-up things that i just felt like wasn't necessary
4: well i would have at least given some kind of bow to the episode from what i can tell i mean sam shot the guy and leaped okay so he, he 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 got the killer yeah and so what's the purpose of the leap well, he didn't kill twenty seven people, <laughs> but they didn't mention that. That's only in the script. They never mentioned on screen.
3: But he was a, he was going to kill Jack Stone, and then he stopped him from doing it. So,
4: uh, uh, I, I again, I, I maybe it's because, um, number one, Alan Scarf playing the Doctor, like you said, Matt, he was the obvious villain, so you, you sort of knew where it's going to go. Number two, Sam is the star of the show. He's not going to get killed. So you have to give me different stakes than that.
3: What? So, you might as well complain about any
4: episode where it seems no, like Sam's going to die. <laughs> but something like this, it's just, I, I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It's just that maybe I'm less forgiving. or uh, No, that's a perfect way to put it. I'm more willing to suspend my disbelief for a, a much better written episode than this. This one was so poorly written that there was just <laughs> nothing for me to suspend my disbelief. But I can take the pain away. I no, take exactly. the pain away. Did you guys know this guy's name is Dr. Crane? Is he? <laughs> I just <kept> thinking of Frasier. <laughs> Frasier <laughs> and Niles' long-lost evil brother. <laughs> <laughs> he was the evil right psychiatrist. In. Marty kicked him out of the house. Oh, my God. Originally,
3: <laughs> in, in this this was another thing in the script, too. He had some, like... Crystal thing that he held and kind of like like it was a hypnotism crystal in his hand through the whole thing.
2: Let's not talk about the hypnotism, please.
4: Ludicrous. No, Matt, we have to. <laughs> I know I don't want to any more than you do, but we have to. So, when, at what point, uh, when we get to that sort of that final scene in in. What way was Sam hypnotized visually <laughs> or sub subtly, or I don't
3: think they know what hypnotism is <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think maybe, and this could have been just me making it up. It, they didn't do a good job if it's not clear, but maybe the the fan was part of it, like when he gets the patients to like look up at the fan and he's talking to them, it's part of like hypnotizing them, M- maybe. But that would imply that, like, the whole time he's like under his spell. I mean, just...
4: that's what I mean. So he's been hypnotized now since that scene, then, is what you're saying. Or maybe like post hypnotic suggestion. Yeah, or he's planted. like, a, you know,
3: like subconsciously it's planted in his mind,
4: all this stuff.
3: I don't know. I don't know. The hypnotism's not great, it's not a great plot
4: device. You're putting more thought into it than I think the writers did. So you mean I...
2: Deborah Pratt? Deborah Pratt. <laughs> Sorry, Deborah. We love you, Deborah. No, we, we can't we can't refer to Deborah Pratt by name because, yeah, we love her. Can we just say the writers? That's because that makes me feel better about criticizing someone who is otherwise such a hit always. I think there were some things that just got lost in translation, too.
3: The part where Sam just starts talking like a baby. That. Um, oh. uh, in the script, it says something to the extent of, like, he sounds like someone very small and timid or something like that. So... He's supposed to sound like a child in that scene, but I think there are ways that Scott Bakula's done where you just act more childlike and timid without doing a baby voice, and I think that really was a huge misstep because if if that wasn't in the episode, I would be a lot more forgiving.
4: I'm trying to figure out why they went with that. And obviously because it's an easy way to have him sort of slip into that persona, so to speak. And if he's hypnotized, he's he's going to be channeling whatever Jack was feeling at that point. But the only reason I could really come up with, okay, what everything I just said, but it's because he wasn't on camera for most of it. It was weird lightning vision of (laughs) some strange boy that nobody gives a (laughs) shit about. So... You have to sort of give it context within those scenes that but they it shot. Was
0: my mommy! <laughs> the man in a white coat and blood. What's happening? He knows that I'm here. He wants me to go. He says I don't belong here. No!
2: Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor kids.
3: It's like when he when, when he's uh in the house with Doctor Crane, and then he, he's like, no, the light. And he turns it on. He turns into like a mug wire or something.
0: Oh, no, the light! I found the light! I Like
3: it's
4: just it's weird. It's a weird choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, 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 do you think that they were looking at the dailies of this saying, "Yeah, we
2: nailed it. <laughs> this, this, this is the greatest." <laughs> Very probably.
3: It's weird because the rest of the episode, I thought Scott Bakula was really great. Like, I I liked hmm. the psychological element of it. You know, I I liked uh, the scene where he tells Al he feels like he's not really all alone here, and when he's asking Crane about. Um, about making an appointment with him and says he wants to sleep again, where it seems that Sam is actually asking for help there. Like there's bits there. It's, it just, I think like they needed to pull back a little at the end
4: there. Well, one thing that, I mean, that it's a good segue into discussing some of the things in this episode that we will sort of see again, this might be the most prominent example in the series so far of Sam being infected with the residual of the person that he leapt into yeah. and, and having to deal with that. And we'll see it in a very big way in the season five opener, um, which also has a lot of sort of lightning flashes in it as well. When I was watching this, I was wondering, is this like a dry run for LHO? Is this something that, you know, mm-hmm. that they said, these are the things that worked in this episode, so let's translate them to that episode? Um, it, it was funny to me how evocative yeah. of Lee Harvey Oswald this one was for me. and Maybe because it was also sort of the more somber tone of it. And, yeah, I can't fault Scott other than that falsetto at the end. I mean, he, he played it just fine. I know in, in the last episode we said Scott can do anything. And I was going to get on Mike and say this one proves that he can't do anything because of that <laughs> whole thing. But at the end of the day, he did carry the episode. So it's – it's it's. I don't think it's, it's – sometimes things just don't work. <laughs> Everybody comes with yeah. the best of intentions and it just doesn't come together. So – what what do you do but you still have to put an episode out you know you're on deadline and by the time this thing came together they were probably two episodes ahead you know so
3: i feel like they, i feel like they didn't have time for certain things that that could have been interesting character wise cuz i feel like scott Bakula did have a lot to do uh, but then you look at you know when you're doing an episode like that um you need to have some support From Al's character, and I feel like there were a lot of parts where he seemed to just sort of brush past a lot of big
2: things. There's elements that make me think, and I know I've said this before, but this could have been a good two-parter. With more time to breathe, and more time to just beat through the plot a little bit slower, explore more of it. I know we're, we're talking about this episode in quite a negative way, and here I'm talking about doubling it, but <laughs> I think actually some of that could have been solved with a little extra time.
3: Yeah, because well, there's just a lot of ideas thrown out there, and I think that's part of why it seems like Al's brushing past things. I don't think it's because mm-hmm. his character's being insensitive, I think it's just they have... 45 minutes to just pack everything in there so like he's got to talk about like the mind merging and the murders and then like maybe he's like the actual killer and maybe all this its just going in so many different directions
4: Yeah, I I don't agree with you guys. I mean, because there was a lot of flab to cut in this one and (laughs) they could have done with more economy of storytelling to give you a better sense of direction for the episode.
3: If it was simplified, I think
4: it would help. Yeah. Yeah. But I I can't see doubling down on this (laughs) pile of. uh, um, (laughs) We have so much more to talk about. This
3: was already they had to chop stuff out that they filmed and used at the end of the wrong stuff. The Wrong Stuff had that really long leap in yeah. where he, he appears in the door and then walks through the house. You yeah, see him right. walking past, like, some kid's crayons on the stairs. All this kind of neat stuff. And then they shorten it to he leaps in immediately when he's slipping in the blood because they just have no time to pack everything in.
0: Hmm.
4: Yeah, I noticed that as well, and I was wondering, um, on a geek level, Matt, is this maybe one of the few times that you see such difference between the leap in from the week before to the opening of the actual episode?
2: There's, this is one of the bigger ones, I mean, there's a there's a couple of dozen times they do that. Um, a couple of dozen, okay, so it's not that uncommon. It's not that uncommon, but usually it's just a, a, a little trim here or there. This is This is probably the biggest.
3: Yeah, but uh, I think, like, unlike the one that they did in Color of Truth, it doesn't really, like, change the intent of the character or anything like that. It's just... Yeah. No. They just uh, had to shorten something.
4: And I think I when they did the leap effect and he was on the floor in the blood, that they needed to do that because you see him covered in blood. Yeah. So at least it gave, like, an on-screen explanation of why instead of him just leaping in and being covered in blood. But it might have been more effective with Al's point saying, maybe Jack's the killer. Well, I leaped in. I was covered in blood. I just assumed it was from the crime scene. They might have played with that, but they couldn't because they used it all from the week before. Sure. And, Hmm. you know, the only reason I I noticed, I have to be honest with you, that the leap out from wrong stuff was so significantly longer than the leap in here was because I had to edit um, the tease (laughs) from the leap out for wrong stuff.
3: You didn't keep the whole thing in? (laughs) Just him walking (laughs) silently?
4: (laughs) Yeah, it was five minutes of spooky music. <laughs> I had to really cut down to find the parts where there were dialogue. And then all of a sudden they leap in and she's saying, It's me, Roselli. I said, wait a minute, that was a good minute and a half Mm -hmm. that I had to edit out before I got to that. So it came home to me. I don't know if I would have noticed it otherwise, because I don't usually watch these things in a row. I don't usually binge. So I probably would not have have picked up on that, except for the fact that I'm so invested with the podcast and and putting that together. But I think that even that cut could have been used to better effect in this episode than they did.
3: That's true. Well, I think that's just a story element they should have changed rather than the, the edit there, but... Um, I, I agree with uh, with Matt that it could have been better lengthened because um, there's that scene there. I thought like that lead up was great. Like I, I liked the mounting tension there of him being thrown into this situation in the spooky house. Mm. And um, yeah. there's even the bit where um, Sam goes to the house by himself and he's just staring at the door and Al's watching him and he doesn't know that he's there.
4: Mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like
3: it, it should have... The shot was just too short. Like, it was a great shot, but it just sort of dissolves out of it before it's really, like, a satisfying moment to just sort of saturate yourself in that moment.
4: Mm -hmm. You know, we always talk about what goes on behind the scenes of the project. And Sam told Al, get Verbena working on this, like, right now. See what's going on with this guy. And... Al's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thread that they never picked up on. I yeah. mean, you, you think that Al could have said, you know, the guy in the waiting room really is on a bender. He's, there's something going on with him and it is affecting you and we need to figure it out. But again, like you said, Al just glosses over. It's just another he, plot He just point.
3: immediately shows up and is like, your mind's scrambled and then goes on. It's like, well, that should be a big deal, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, is have we ever again experienced a leap where there's such a disparate Sam? This is obviously not the Sam we know, so there's something serious going on, and you think Al would be the first person to pick up on that and say, okay, we need to focus on this first. We need to figure out why.
3: Yeah, he he says it and then just doesn't, and he seems to not understand it. Like, he says his mind scrambled, and he's like, hey, Sam, what's going on? It's like, well, his mind scrambled, right? You said his mind was scrambled. That's probably why he's acting weird.
4: <laughs> so... How is it that a police detective is going to take who he considers a prime suspect back to the scene of a grisly murder so he can have therapy? Question mark. Like, what was the sense of having the therapy session back at the house? Except for I know the door, the lightning door.
3: I think, I think cause Crane Manipulated him into doing it is is what they're saying. That's why he murdered him, just like he murdered uh, Janice Takara.
2: blame. All plot holes we blame on Crane.
3: <laughs> no, but that's what I mean. Originally, he died there, and so did she. And he—he he was her therapist. So, and he, because uh, she wouldn't give him her heart. <laughs> so I took it.
4: I took her heart because she didn't love
0: me.
3: <laughs> It's—it's so cartoonish with the villain. I—I I think it's just not grounded in a lot, and that's part of the reason why it's.
0: I told her. That I loved her and that I had to have her heart. But you see, that was her problem. She couldn't give her heart. So I took it. It was the only way.
4: That's like epic level dopey.
3: I like episodes with residuals like that. So, I mean, like, I like that Sam's kind of lost in this character. I just wish that the story had
4: served it better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess. And one thing that you guys did point out, they did have a nice sort of noirish atmosphere to this one.
3: Yeah. Which is unique to this era
4: of Quantum Leap, because not since season one have they really focused on a genre. Yeah. Right. And it's not something that they've ever done seriously either. I mean, the noirish one that they had was also making fun of all the slang from the time with the daisy crunchers and the dropper named Clapper <laughs> and all of that Seymour stuff.
3: Do you think that's why it came off a little off on this one in that? It was kind of cliched at parts, but they were playing it serious?
2: Maybe. Um.
4: No, I have a specific reason why I think it's off, and I alluded to it at the top of the show. And now's as good a time as any to bring it up. I think, Matt, like your friend James said that this marked sort of a turning point for Quantum Leap in his mind. and he wasn't wrong because this episode to me seems like the first instance where quantum leap does its version of a popular movie. In this case, it's silence of the lamps. Mm. Mm. I think that the show as season four progresses lifts certain sorts of plots from films that are big at the time. I mean, you can say that they did it with married to the mob with, um, double identity. But this one is so manifestly a Silence of the Lambs takeoff.
2: I don't know. That might just be you, dude. Nah. <laughs> yeah. I've not seen Silence of the Lambs for many years. I've never made that connection, but I'm, I'm willing to be corrected. Shall we begin? Well, since we're being so honest
0: here, I would like to know about Peter and Janice Decaro. Fair enough. First you, then me. What would you like to know? Quid pro quo. I tell you things, you tell me things. Not about this case, though. About yourself. Quid pro quo. Yes or no? Be here tomorrow at 4 o'clock. And please, Mr. Stone, don't lie to me again. I don't like lies. And I always know. What is your worst memory of childhood? Tell me about it and don't lie or I'll know. You said that you were having a recurring dream. Tell me your dream. You still wake up sometimes, don't you? Wake up in the dark and hear the screaming of the lamb. Where did he go? Who did he see? What did he eat for lunch? Or who? What? The coroner said that when they put Mrs. DeCaro back together, they were missing her heart. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti.
4: Are the lambs still screaming, Clarice? Um, he cut out their Well, hearts. I mean, the hammy acting. The hammy <laughs> acting. And, yeah, maybe you guys are a little too young to realize what a phenomenon. Silence, Silence of the Lambs was a real phenomenon when it came out. Oh, I remember
2: it being a phenomenon.
3: Yeah, I mean, I remember that too, but, like, I just don't... I mean, the fact that it's psychological and he's talking to the killer, all right, but he doesn't know he's the killer and then go to him or, like, you know, for, like, tips on how to catch another killer. Or any of that, like it's I just don't no, I... I mean, um but I think the show has lifted things from other movies before. Uh maybe not the entire plot, but they've done that since the beginning. The pilot they were they were doing straight up uh that baseball movie I'm
4: spacing the name of. Oh, the natural.
3: Yeah, The Natural.
4: The Natural. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, and they've taken, like, um, Thou Shalt Not, I think, was inspired by one a movie that came out around the time as well. So, uh, they, they've always sort of done that. But, I mean, I, I just don't see Silence of the Lambs in this. I,
4: I can't see anything but Silence of the Lambs in this, uh, to the detriment of, of the episode. I think that the one that we get also coming up in this season, maybe it's season five, Moments to Live, is basically Misery.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. And
4: I remember watching it at the time when it was airing on NBC, saying, "Okay, so this is what they're doing this week, and oh, this is what this not what they're ripping off, but this is what they're evoking this week." And yeah. this is the first episode since we've started doing the show, and since I've been really rewatching on a regular basis, where I said, "Oh, okay, this is Silence of the Lambs," and it just brought back this flood of memories of, of how I used to think that the show was progressing when it was on air. So. Maybe it, maybe I am in a minority. I'd love to hear from the listeners to, to see what they think about the Hannibal Lecter vibe that Dr. Mason Crane was giving off. Because to me, I couldn't unsee it once it struck me.
3: You remember that part in Silence of the Lambs where Clarice shoots Hannibal Lecter and then he falls on the body outline of one of his previous victims. <laughs> Classic comedy routine.
4: What movie was that where the guy shoots the guy and he falls down by the chalk outline and then the dead guy lifts his head up and notices that he's not in the outline then he shuffles into it? It might have been like a police squad or an airplane. It was probably or- <laughs> police squad. I was Sounds laughing like
3: when he lands on the body outline like, ooh, deep! <laughs>
4: Is that the wages of sin? Ooh, is that divine retribution? Here's what I
3: wrote in the script. Shoots and lands right on the body outline. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> That's what I got.
4: <laughs> that also could be epic level dopey. Hilarious.
3: Here, here's something that I noticed. It didn't. It doesn't have to do with the theme or anything, but like, um, I thought this was unique in that Sam's hair seems to be styled and curled uh, in a guy leap. He doesn't usually like style his hair on guy leaps other than you know combing it differently, but it's definitely curlier.
2: I did notice the hair, but yeah, maybe it was bedhead.
4: Uh, maybe he was all sweaty and gross throughout the whole thing, <laughs> and he had to contend with that giant wall of glasses. So,
3: I don't know. If I'd have to look at it again, but I don't know. In the reflection, like the guy even had that curly of hair. It's just, it just seemed like his hair was
2: curled. Hey, what's wrong with those glasses? I had glasses like that through
3: the late nineties. I like they gave him sort of ugly glasses through this whole thing. It was the least fetishy of one of his costumes, you know. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, coming off an episode with a diaper, I think we can say that about just about anything. <laughs>
3: Well, the diaper one, I think, is the most fetishy. Right. It's hard to get more fetishy yeah.
2: <laughs> are, are we saying it's unlikely this week that Sam craps
4: himself? <laughs> you don't know those dreams. It's unlikely, but not proven.
2: <laughs> They're bad dreams, Matt.
4: Very bad dreams. So you just never know.
3: Did it seem like the music, when he's talking to the kid in the hospital and he shows him the pictures of the gloves... Did it, did it seem like they were evoking Nightmare on Elm Street?
0: Hands. Pair of hands. Not hands. Loves.
3: The music made me think of Nightmare on Elm Street with, like, the
4: dreams thing. I'm like, are they trying to do Elm
0: Street?
4: I don't know what the hell they were trying to do there. I mean, that was another plot thread that just went nowhere. You have the traumatized kid. Well, okay, normally if you have the traumatized kid, Sam will have a breakthrough. Or Al, the kid will see Al, and maybe Al can can get through to the kid. And I get this kid, I guess maybe his innocence was ripped away, so there's no way he's seeing Al. um, Because he just saw his mom's heart cut out. But... It was another plot thread, a scene in search of meaning. It was just like, he, he, tell me something. And then this kid's got handprints on a crumpled piece of paper. That right there was mm-hmm. just like, okay, this is nonsense. And again, with Crane, is there any doubt? I mean, who wears stylish gloves all the fucking time? Oh, killers. <laughs> that's who. <laughs> <laughs>
3: He might be the most obvious villain that they've ever had
4: on the show. Oh, so we, the funny thing is, Matt, I've never seen this guy before. And you were like, oh, yeah, it's Alan Scarf. Of course, he's uh, is he like what? What's he in that, that? He's always been the bad guy.
2: Is he like one of those guys? He he's turned up a few times in Star Trek, um, generally playing Romulans or you know whatever. He's one of these guys that just turns up in everything. Um like, an episode of Voyager, an episode of Highlander, a SeaQuest. He was doing everything in the 90s. Gotcha.
4: Gotcha.
2: Uh, yeah, I remember him having a long credit list when I looked him up. But yeah, generally, um, generally bad guys.
3: I mean, he just has a bad guy face and voice. He has a great yeah. voice. And, and let, let me just say this. I know, like, we're... we're uh, Well, he's,
2: he's British, so of course he's got a bad guy voice. He's a, <laughs> a British guy in America.
3: <laughs> but it just the way he talks, I'll take away the pain. You know, <laughs> like, he's... I, I think, like, with a better script, it would have been great for him, because he does have this very menacing presence for him. I think it's just he was just too obvious, and they didn't do anything to make it seem like it wasn't him. Hmm. Another thing that I thought was pretty successful, uh, I thought a lot of the mirror shots were pretty smooth, like the uh, the shot where uh, Sam wakes up from his bad dream and then he goes over and uh, he's surprised by Al when he's looking at his reflection and they, they do that quick pan over to Scott
2: Bakula. I thought that was pretty smooth. Yeah, and that was, they used that in the... Um the season five saga cell and because i hadn't seen this episode i was just like is this going to be a season five episode this looks brilliant it's such a good moment it's so cool and it never came that was the most disappointing part of mirror image for me the fact that we got through the whole of season five and i never saw that clip (laughs) but now it's been righted yeah yes then i finally saw it was like oh yeah that was that was a cool moment okay that was a thing That I saw, finally. that that happened.
4: (laughs) (laughs) One thing I do remember, um, even on the first watch of this, is that I did like the fact that the Leapy and Pamela Roselli, they seemed like normal-looking people. They weren't models. They weren't uh, matinee idols. The mirror guy looked grizzled. He looked like an older cop. Mm -hmm. The woman wasn't... um, Like, I mean, she was kind of a stunner, to be honest with you, but not in like a traditional TV uh, female guest lead of the week kind of way. I did like her in this. I thought that she was the only time the scenes came alive is when she was talking to him because she seemed to be the only character with any kind of motivation or direction. So whenever she came onto the scene, I was just like, okay, I'm starting to get interested But then again, he just sort of leaves her high and dry as Beethoven plays in the background. And did you notice when he's clearing the table? None of the dinner was even eaten. I mean, these were full plates of smoking meatballs. (laughs) And he's clearing the... What was he there? For five minutes?
3: (laughs) I think one of the things, like, watching this back, I, I talked about it before. Like, I liked that, and I think this is probably by accident, no one really comes out better off by the end of this it it seems like everyone's sort of like their life's kind of screwed up and the stuff with roselli that's the last scene you see her is is that dinner scene and then he leaves her behind and Sam is Utterly uninterested.
4: Yeah, oh, completely. It, not
3: even like a simple spark. And usually they show something uh, when they're doing these romances of the week. Even if Sam himself is like, he's not really like falling in love with them. Usually the person he leaped into is interested somewhat. And especially if he's so merged with him, he should be feeling something if there is something there. Mm. And that's why I was glad that that wrap up was cut out that said they got married. Because it just seems like she is giving so much to someone who is not giving anything back to her at all um and the whole leap it's just it's not concluded just like uh jack stone's life is kind of unconcluded like and all sam can do is just stare it out. like well this sucked the end you know <laughs> it's not really a happy or or clean ending to anything
4: No, and that could have been very strong in and of itself too, because I've taken the show to task before for being a little bit too T V like, a little bit too neat, a little bit too wrapped up. So the fact that they were leaving this one a little bit open ended and and not so quantum leapy could have been a great strength of the episode. Had it earned that nebulous (laughs) ending, the whole thing was just too nebulous.
3: Yeah, it it doesn't feel like it was intentional, no.
4: Yeah, and I mean, it's just like... Now, let me get this straight, because this is what I'm piecing together. Sam leapt in just as Stone discovered the body of the dead wife, Takara, whatever her name was. And as he was leaping in, Stone was having a flashback to his nine-year-old trauma of seeing his mother on the autopsy table. And that was the basis for his entire coming unglued throughout this episode because he was trying to deal with that secondhand trauma and didn't have the tools to do it. And it just so happened that it was because he was at this murder. Is that, is that where Sam is? Is that where we are? Maybe we should have started the show asking that question, but...
2: Yeah? I I think I think that's a good summary, and you know what? I think if that had been spelled out early in the episode, rather than being used as the thread to pull you through the episode, we might have been able to get on with some plot a bit more. I think that that was used as the twist, and actually, when you, when you summarize it like that, the rest of the episode, it, it hangs together a bit better
3: it came off a bit uh a bit twilight zone a little bit with the the reveal with the kid at the end i don't know if they needed to spell it out at the beginning but um i don't know if the reveal about his mother was that successful either it's not like oh man that's That's fucked up, you know, like it's Mm. uh, I don't know if it was if I felt much about the twist. Like I liked the psychological elements with Sam. But as far as like Jack's story, it's like, all right.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'll sort of care if you you need me to for the episode, but I don't really.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting that Sam was bleeding together his own fears and his own life with uh, Jack's trauma. Because he has that dream sequence where he's walking down the hall and then he opens the door and he sees himself covered in blood, Mm. um, which is clearly just Sam's own fear of dying. It has nothing to do with Jack's trauma. So it's interesting. Those things are kind of bleeding together.
4: Yeah. Sam's covered in blood and glasses. (laughs) (laughs) He's covered in
3: blood and
2: glasses. (laughs) (laughs) that's what Sam's secret fear is having to wear glasses like that for the rest of his life
3: this is one that I wish that the uh, HD SD transfer like they'd been able to redo some of the effects because every time that they cut to the black and white it looks like shit and like it's not just the fact that it's in SD they also did some sort of like 90s filter on it that looked really cool at the time but like it really does not hold up now yeah. like way blown out and overexposed and some other filter that I can't really
4: tell what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean there was you have uh, I guess hmm, the production tools available to you at the time and sure. I think that they were really going over the top to try to make it atmospheric and cinematic.
2: Yeah, I think it was it was arty, but when you've got when those are the materials that you've got to work with when you're doing an HD presentation later, I'm sure Whoever was handling the transfer to HD, if they cared about such things, was probably quite frustrated that a lot of the the blacks were crushed out, and it's just it's not. Yeah, the the material isn't there for a solid HD transfer.
3: Well, especially when they're like flashing back and forth, it really mm-hmm. highlights like the difference. Yeah, and the SD stuff is also like zoomed in a little bit more, so it sort yeah. of changes a little bit in ways that it did not look like an SD. Well,
4: I guess that's one thing I'd be able to forgive them on at this stage of the game. Sure. Because it's just a product of its time. I mean, that, that's one of the few things that was, well, I shouldn't say that because the whole thing is in their control. But anyway, maybe it's one of the few limiting factors they had when trying to bring something like this to the small screen. Can I um, say the one thing I really did love about this episode because they harken back to Quantum Leap lore? And when Sam said to Al, Do you remember when we leaped And I got a bit had of you. I my and notes too. You got a bit of me. Hmm. And Al's like, Yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't remember that. Yeah. And not only is that great because Al is number one, he's Swiss cheesed about it, and that's very convenient. But number two, do you recall Sam's dialogue in that episode after he got back to the project and he said the last five years were fading or the last few years were fading like a bad dream? I think that that tracks Al having been back in his own body, in his own time, like maybe he wouldn't, maybe it would fade to him like it was fading for Sam and Sam did it for far longer than Al did. So it was just a nice little nod to consistency with series mythology yeah
2: (laughs) well correct that matt (laughs) you know what i'm gonna say Al remembered it perfectly fine in permanent wave he did it's this 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 forgetfulness that al's had has just seemed to have happened over the last few episodes and then
3: he remembers it again in lee harvey oswald
2: oh wow so i suck (laughs)
3: yes (laughs) no you don't suck i I think like it's just very inconsistent who remembers what and it makes sense for sam because like the rules that they've set up, he just remembers whatever's plot convenient, but I don't know
4: about Al. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember in permanent wave when it came up.
3: Oh, when he says, is that bit of me still in you when he's hitting on the twins? Yes. Oh,
4: I got you. Yeah. All right. So, but it's more of a throwaway instead of a direct reference. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, well, he he is referencing it.
4: <laughs> I could be forgiven. <laughs> I'm just trying to trying to give myself some cred here.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's something they probably didn't put in the series bible, so it was like whoever thought what. Yeah, uh, but I like that they did reference it. You know, it is it is nice when they remember previous episodes and try and relate to what's happening there. So I I didn't mind that it was inconsistent.
4: And where and in, where in, was it season five that it comes up again? Oh, Lee Harvey Oswald, you yeah. said. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, he talks about Sam. Um, if he could deal with his libido, he can deal with Lee Harvey Oswald mm-hmm. when he's uh, stripping the gun.
4: Gotcha. All right. So I'm a bad fan.
3: You're not a bad fan. You're just no. not as obsessed as me or Matt.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know to take that as a compliment or an insult.
3: <laughs> oh, sorry.
4: You're just as
3: obsessed.
4: Mostly a compliment. Oh, I belong again. Thank you, Allison. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, any other thoughts on dreams?
3: That's all I got. That was the last
4: note that I had. Yeah. <laughs> That's all i <I've> got. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad that we we're able to get at least an hour out of it. And I, I didn't want this to be a bash fest on the episode, even though I might have come across that way. Yes, I do think that this is the worst episode of Quantum Leap. <laughs> but in Quantum Leap's defense... This is just a bad episode of television. This wouldn't have been good on any show. It's just not a good script. It's just bad all around.
3: But that was my mommy.
4: (laughs) And those are my final thoughts on it, Allison.
0: Not supposed to be dead.
4: (laughs) Stop doing that to my mommy. Mommy's on the
0: table. (laughs) Pathology. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh guys i'm gonna have nightmares about allison's voice do <laughs> <You're the light. laughs> we didn't even
3: talk about the fact sam almost killed himself with this bullshit hypnotism stuff oh that should be a big deal but we didn't whatever <laughs>
4: <laughs> what do you say so sam almost killed himself what you saying because he put himself in the situation
3: no because he he had the gun to his head he almost killed himself until he overcame the hypnotisms <laughs>
2: hypnotism that's so good it can almost make someone kill themselves it doesn't make sense none of this makes sense yeah i mean because
4: but they also they tried to give that precedent in the beginning of the episode where the husband needed to kill himself yeah so that it could look like a murder right. suicide i guess or or whatever when oh cuz that's right they established that the husband and the wife were going to the doctor so i guess the doctor used his evil fan to put post hypnotic suggestion in the <laughs> husband's mind to number 1
2: go go get a gun
3: <laughs> see if you if you summarize it it's all fine <laughs> yeah
2: i feel now that we are all evil fans for having taken this episode apart <laughs> you know it's okay <laughs> yeah, but we're still part of the fan club <laughs>
4: we might lose some listeners. I don't know, but I look at it this way: we're not here to slavishly kiss Quantum Leap's ass. We're here to talk about the show in a meaningful and, I hope, entertaining way. And this one's just not up to snuff. So, guys, any uh, final thoughts on dreams? (laughs) (laughs) The dreams, you, my
3: mommy. I'll leave my thoughts at this. I'm very mixed at this episode. I think I liked it more than you guys. I, I did like the way that it looked. I think there were elements of it that, that really sparked my interest. I think just um, the worst part about it was the lost potential in my mind.
4: And Matt?
3: It is a beautiful looking
2: episode.
4: Well, damning with faint praise, I guess that's an excellent place to leave off on dreams. Um... Listen, if you guys have any thoughts on dreams, um, we'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Is it the worst episode? Is it a great episode? Is it douche chills? One and all i don 't know, <laughs> but there are many ways that you can tell us what you think about dreams. You can catch us on the phone at seven zero seven eight four seven six six eight two you can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail dot com You can hit us up on the facebooks at facebook dot com slash quantum You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at quantum leap pod and you can support us on patreon at patreon dot com slash quantum Just remember. Any responses that we get are fair game. We may use them in an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, but odds are you have a greater chance of being heard if you give your response in a little boy voice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is
4: what you think. <laughs> oh, my mom. That episode was my favorite. <laughs> it's not making one of my favorite episodes. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad that we have dreams behind us. Oh, it's just a way. Now, now I can just enjoy it. It's not like the pressure of talking about my favorite episode or the dread of having discussed my least favorite episode. I can just. I can't
3: believe this is your least favorite. I feel like there are more turdly episodes.
2: <laughs> more turdly. We will see as things go on, you know? Season five hasn't even begun yet.
4: <laughs> yeah, but season five, it's its own special thing. <laughs> so, anyway uh, before we, get to, season before we five, get to season 5 we have to get through season 4 and that means we have to watch the next episode
2: Matt what's next it's a single drop of rain
0: God almighty, Billy, is it really you? Yeah, it's me. Oh, Oh. Billy, Billy. Every church-going soul in the whole town
2: has been praying for you to roll in here.
0: Why? Why? Well, why else, boy? To make it rain. Rain? Preveyor of precipitation and maker of rain. Oh, boy. So this is
3: going from one of your least favorites to probably one of your favorites, right? I feel like a lot of people like Single Drop
4: of Rain. Are you talking to me or to Matt? Mm, we'll see. Yeah, I was talking to you, Chris, or, or no. Matt, either. i, I got to be honest with you. Um, I think I've seen Single Drop of Rain twice, and mm. I don't have any especially negative memories of it. So I look forward to sort of rediscovering it all over again. What about you, Matt?
2: Yeah, I mean I've I've seen it a few times. I'm I'm looking forward to watching it in preparation for the recording. Some of my thoughts on this may change. We look forward to hearing what those
4: thoughts might be. And uh until then, I have been Christopher D. Philippus. I've
3: been Alison Pregler.
4: And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> Maybe.
1: Douche
2: Chills. You guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash Podcast. The Quantum Leap Podcast is edited by Albie, Christopher DeFilippis, and Allison Pregler. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Juan Miro, Christopher DeFilippis, and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden is the producer. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual, and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit Baronspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baronspace production.
4: And I don't remember what i was saying. Uh, and okay, that's what I said. Damning with faint praise. And I think that's a great, a great place to end this, uh, this discussion on dreams. We're gonna take a break, and we'll see you on the other side.
3: I don't want to go to the other side. <laughs> My mommy's in there. That's <laughs> supposed to be here. <laughs> ay,
4: ay, ay.
3: Shout out to the guy playing the the coroner. Some good acting. (laughs) Close that (laughs) door.
2: (laughs) Do you you think Hayden can track down the kid so we can interview him? Oh
4: my god, I would love to know what that kid thought of filming that. The one kid that didn't talk or the other kid that didn't talk?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Either. It doesn't matter.
4: Oh my god. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. I meant flashback kid. I love that the little the little girl too. She has like one of those sugary, sweet, almost parody voices.
4: Yeah,
1: that's mm. not my my daddy. Why would he hurt my mommy?
4: <laughs> it reminded me of um, Nuclear Family when Matt was making fun of the little girl. <laughs> 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 I don't call my daddy a liar. <laughs> oh, such a bad episode. Such a pile of crap. <laughs> I
3: love I love how much that you guys hate it. That's, that's what I love.
2: <laughs> I'm just, honestly, I'm so relieved. I really thought maybe fans did like this, and I was going to have to come in and apologetically explain that it it had been heightened expectations for me. But, your your you know, friend I'm just relieved. ruined it for you. The hype was real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: Fun fact, February 28th, 1979 was my brother's 10th birthday. So that's the in date.
1: You're old.
3: <laughs>
4: He's my older brother. <laughs> okay. He's wait, older. So,
3: wait, February 28th, does that, is that just on the cusp of being a leap baby? Yes.
4: Yes. I don't know if he was born in a leap mm-hmm. year, though. Is 1969 a leap year? No.
3: <laughs> yeah, let me let me know. I'll, I'll let you know offhand. <laughs> if it was Matt, a leap. Year. Matt said no.
4: He's probably he's he's got no. a three
2: or four chance of being right. So <laughs> wait, did you know offhand if it was a leap year? Yes, it's got to be divisible by four. What? No number <gasps> ending in nine is divisible by four. What are you, some kind of smarty pants over there with your math? Well, You're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a geek. <laughs>
4: I didn't realize leap years had to be divisible by four. I just thought they happened every four years. Like, what mm-hmm. if the first leap year was on 1903? And then
2: there goes yeah, your whole thing, right out the window. It was on zero. Well, it probably wasn't on zero, but yes. They're all... The year 2000 was a leap year, so you can work forward and back from that. All
4: right. I'll keep that in mind. Never. Hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> geek! And then geek being, being bullied.
2: <laughs> okay um watch out or i'll become a superhero like arnold watkins
3: yeah <laughs> uh we're such nerds <laughs> yeah
4: i think that was a season five reference i'm not sure it was, it was we're recording indeed. all of this i don't know what i'm gonna do with it but it sure is fun
2: uh, yeah <laughs> arnold watkins is my idol <laughs> as we'll find out later I just gotta say, um, it, that, that picture you put on
3: Facebook, Matt, where you're wearing that like yeah. leather jacket and doing the cool <laughs> pose, oh my god.
2: With the big glasses as well, that's... Totally cool. Well, those
4: were nowhere near um, dreams-level glasses.
2: Uh, all right, they felt like it at the time. <laughs> but, sorry, what what did you say about the leather jacket? Oh, just you look cool. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I was expecting some sarcasm. Oh. No, no, you a a sweet jacket. sweet. Thank
4: you. Sweet jacket or a sweet boy.
2: Aww, <laughs> Sweet boy. <laughs> I got no sex back then.
4: <laughs> ay, ay, ay. It's not even with that jacket, huh?
2: <laughs>
3: exactly. That's a very Sam Beckett jacket, let me just say. There's those promo pictures of Scott Bakula. He's yeah. wearing like the brown leather jacket. Heck yeah.
2: Yeah. I was obviously just missing the uh, the white streak in my hair that' that would have done that's, it. yeah man you would have bagged all the ladies yeah. then. Yeah. so much so much of the sex that's the, that's mm. the lady bait <laughs> all of the sex yeah. <laughs> I really hope all of this makes it into the show
4: <laughs> I now officially love old man music